thought for a little bit that since I have a new way to record that I should go back and redo um, the last episode, but then I was like, eh, screw it, I'm just going to go ahead and read. So this is the second episode of Flowers of Evil by Charles Baudelaire, and I am starting with, um, see, I don't, I'm not really sure he would want the poems to be called by their numbers. Um, I'm reading from Spleen and Ideal, and this is the fifth poem called I Love the Thought. I love the thought of ancient naked days, when Phoebus gilded statues with his rays. Then women, men in their agility, played without guile, without anxiety. And while the sky stroked lovingly their skin, they turned to health their excellent machine. Sybil, in offering her bounty there, found mortals not a heavy weight to bear. But she-wolf, full of common tenderness, from her brown nipples fed the universe. Man had the right, robust and flourishing, of pride in beauties who proclaimed him king. Pure fruit, unsullied, lovely to the sight, whose smooth, firm flesh went asking for the bite. Today, the poet, when he would conceive these native grandeurs, where now can be seen women and men in all their nakedness, feels in his soul a chill of hopelessness before this terrible and bleak tableau. Monstrosities that cry out to be clothed, bodies grotesque and only fit for masks, poor twisted trunks, scrawny or gone to flab, whose god, implacable utility, in brazen wraps swaddles his progeny. And pale as tapers, all you women too, corruption gnaws and nourishes, and you, O virgins, heir to all maternal vice, and all the squalor of the fecund life. It's true, we have in our corrupted states beauties unknown to ancient people's tastes, visages gnawed by sores of syphilis, and one might say beauties of listlessness. But these inventions of our tardy muse never avert the sickly modern crew from rendering to youth their deepest bow, to holy youth, to smooth, untroubled bow, to limpid eye, to the air of innocence, who pours out of us all, indifferent as flowers, birds, the blue of sky or sea, his perfumes, songs, his sweet vitality. This is the sixth. It's called The Beacons. Rubens, gardens of sloth, stream of oblivion, pillow of blooming flesh where no one can make love. But where life's spirit flows and tosses ceaselessly, as wind does in the sky, or seas within the sea. Leonardo, a mirror, somber and profound, where charming angels with ingratiating smiles, burdened with mystery, are seen within the shades of glaciers and of pines that border the terrain. Rembrandt, sad hospital full of strange whispering, the one adornment there a giant crucifix, where prayer is full of tears and rises from the filth, abrupt across the room, a ray of winter sun. And Michelangelo, vague place where Hercules mingles with forms of Christ, and rising very straight above our mighty ghosts, which in the dusky light 
will stretch their fingers out and tear their winding sheets. Rage of the boxing ring, impudence of a fawn, you who could call to beauty vassals in the camp, great heart puffed up with pride, feeble and jaundiced man, Puget, sad and forlorn, the convict's emperor. Watteau, this carnival, where many famous hearts wander about like bright flamboyant butterflies. Decor is cool and light under the chandeliers that pour down madness on this ever-circling dance. Goya, a nightmare full of things unspeakable. Of fetuses one cooks for midnight revelers old women at the mirror, children fully nude, dressing to tempt the devils very carefully. Delacroix, lake of blood, the evil angel's haunts, shaded within a wood of fir trees always green. Under a gloomy sky, strange fanfares pass away and disappear like one of Weber's smothered sighs. These curses, blasphemies, these maledictions, Groans, these ecstasies, these pleas, cries of te deum, tears, echo respoken by a thousand labyrinths, an opium divine for hungry mortals' hearts. It is a call passed by a thousand sentinels, an order shouted through a thousand speaking horns. It is a beacon on a thousand citadels, a cry of hunters lost within a mighty wood. For it is truly, Lord, best witness in the world, that we might give to you of human dignity, this ardent sob that rolls onward from age to age and comes to die in meeting your eternity. The seventh is called the sick muse. My wretched muse, what does the morning bring? Dream visions haunt your eyes, and I discern, reflected in the shadings of your skin, madness and horror, cold and taciturn. Have they, green succubus and rosy imp, poured on your fear and love out of their urns? Has nightmare with his proud unruly grip sunk you within some fabulous miniturns? I'd wish your breast to breathe the scent of health, your mind to think great thoughts the whole day long, your Christian blood to flow in waves that scan with varied sounds of ancient syllables, where reign in turn the father of all song, Apollo, and the harvest lord, Great Pan. The title is The Venal Muse. O muse of mine, in love with palaces, will you, when January flings his winds in the black tedium of snowy nights, find half-burned logs to warm your purple feet? Your mottled shoulders, will they flush to warmth as moonbeams slip inside our window glass? Knowing your purse and palette both are dry, will you glean gold out of the azure vaults? You must, to earn your meager evening bread, like a bored altar boy, swing censers, chant te diems to the never-present gods. Or, starving clown, put up your charms for sale, your laughter steeped in tears for no one's eyes, to bring amusement to the vulgar crowd. This is the ninth, and it's called The Wretched Monk. Old monasteries, 
under steadfast walls, displayed tableaus of holy verity, warming the inner men in those cold halls against the chill of their austerity. Those times when seeds of Christ would thrive and grow, more than one monk, now in obscurity, taking the graveyard as his studio, and noble death in all simplicity. My soul's a tomb that, wretched Cenobite, I travel in throughout eternity. Nothing adorns the walls of this sad shrine. O slothful monk, O when may I assign this living spectacle of misery to labor of my hands, my eyes delight. This is the last one I'm going to read today. It's called The Enemy. In French, it's La Enemie. But maybe, I don't know. I don't read French. Anyway, um, <clears throat> The Enemy. When I was young, I lived a constant storm. Though now and then, the brilliant suns shot through. So, in my garden, few red fruits were born. The rain and thunder had so much to do. Now are the autumn days of thought at hand, and I must use the rake and spade to groom, rebuild and cultivate the washed-out land. The water has eroded deep as tombs. And who knows if the flowers in my mind, in this poor sand, swept like a beach, will find the food of soul to gain a healthy start. I cry, I cry. Life feeds the season's maw. And that dark enemy who gnaws our hearts, battens on blood that drips into his jaws. And on that happy note, I suppose, I will end the podcast for today. If you have anything you need to get a hold of me about, uh, you can find me at hiddeninthesnow at gmail.com. I also have a podcast called Just Stories. Um, and then I have one that I just started called Just a Journal, and that's more... Um, brain drippings and silliness that I tend to spew forth into the world. <laughs> anyway, um, I will talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.